You're listening to Do That Well with your hosts, Brenda Brown and Karen Thrall, a podcast about real experiences and how to turn them into life lessons, unscripted, honest, funny, genuine, and passionate, a series of conversations where we explore every aspect of human interaction and provoke each other to do life well. And today we have a special guest with us. Thank you so much for joining us, May. Um, I don't know if you would like to give yourself a quick intro or I'm happy to introduce you. Yeah, no, go for it. Thank you for having me on. So I'm so excited. I'm really excited. So May, you know, Karen, and that is how I came to find out about you as well. But May is a sound practitioner. Is that proper to say? Yeah, you can say practitioner, facilitator. I I usually say I'm a sound therapist. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so today we are going to be talking to May about what sound therapy is, uh, where it comes from. I'm just curious to hear more about the benefits and how it works. So it should be a pretty exciting episode. And of course, we will link uh, May's Instagram to her practice, Oto Healing, as well as the website and all that good stuff. So if you guys want to learn more about May, all of that information will be in our bio for this episode. So jumping right in, um, go. like if you had to do a Cliff Notes version for people listening, what, <laughs> you know, in a nutshell, what is sound therapy? Yeah, so so sound therapy is where I use a set of specialized instruments to create a particular sound journey for that person or that group to help support them physically, mentally, emotionally. And um, I really I really prefer to really get to know the people on the other end. Um, probably if anyone's ever heard of sound healing. Um, it's done in really big groups and, you know, there's crystal bowls and people are doing it together. I really, really love the one-on-ones and the small private groups. I don't usually do drop-in classes because it allows me to really connect with the people on the other side. And so the first thing I do once a session is booked is I really get to know the person by sending an intake form and getting a lay of the land of where they're at physically emotionally, spiritually, what's stressing them out, uh, where they're feeling physical tension, because those are all places where I can help support that person and hopefully give them more insight at a deeper level at what may be happening just beyond what they're feeling physically. That's so cool. So I actually did have an opportunity to participate in a group setting, as you're saying, it was for Mm. um, a company that I used to work for. And we did an event where there was, I want to say maybe 10 or 15 of us. And very much so as you're describing, we all laid down and there were big crystal bowls and things like that. And so my experience, I mean, I definitely did feel that it was very relaxing and, um, but my experience in a group setting, I don't know that it did allow me to feel as much of those benefits that you mm-hmm. so I am really curious about this process of when it's more one-on-one. Yes, yes. So every practitioner's approach is different. Um, my my approach to it to sound therapy is, and I'm very particular in calling it sound therapy and and not sound healing because I'm super fascinated by the science behind sound as well. And so the way I describe my approach is that. I love the balance between the art and the science of it. So the art is the history 
of, of sound. So sound has been used for thousands of years across different cultures as a way of healing a person. So back in Egypt, they were using um, vibrational rooms within the pyramids to help people heal. Um, it was happening in Greece, it was happening in Asia, the indigenous, they were all using sound and vibration and frequency as medicine. And so this has been a very, very ancient practice. Um, and then also part of the art is the intuition that you as a practitioner start to, at least in my case, develop with your instruments. So when I'm in a session, um, I actually watch the people or the person or the people's bodies on the other side because how their bodies are reacting during the journey inform me on how I should be playing the bowls. So I have never played the bowls and the other instruments. So I have actually never played a sound journey the same way ever. And so that's part of the art of it. Uh, the science is so fascinating to me. So I, I divide this into three different areas. So the first part is quantum physics. And according to quantum physics, everything in the universe is in vibration. If you think of atoms, they're vibrating, they're giving off an energy. And so all around us, um, there is this quantum field, invisible quantum field that we can't see. It's also called a biofield. If you follow Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's very great at educating on, on this biofield. And this biofield, you're constantly interacting with other people's biofields. And so, you know, when you meet a person for the first time and you literally say, I like their energy or I don't like their energy, or you think to yourself, it's yeah. actually from a scientific perspective, your fields are interacting and you know right away whether those energy frequencies are in line and alignment or not. And you just, you know. <laughs> um, the second part of it is uh, on, a, on a biology level. So all of your organs operate on their own frequencies. And when an organ is out of frequency, it throws the whole system off. And again, you can use tones and vibration um, and frequency to bring your body back into balance, back into harmony. Or if you want to use a biology term, you're really bringing your body back into homeostasis. And you're doing that by lowering your cortisol levels, which is your hormone, your stress hormone, and you're feeling your body kind of come back into harmony. So that's it from the biology perspective. Um, the third part of the science part is uh, brainwave states. So delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma, you've probably heard of them before. Mm -hmm. um, I find when people come into sessions with me, they go into one of two states, sometimes they'll fluctuate between the two. Um, they either go, if they're really physically or emotionally exhausted, they go into delta, they go to sleep right away. And that's okay, because that's what their body needs to do. It just needs to rest. Um, Ideally, where I like to get people into is theta. So theta is between awake, sleep, conscious, subconscious. This is also the brainwave state where your body starts to heal, to repair. This is where your immunity starts to go up. It's also where your intuition starts to build. And so theta is where I like to get people into. Um, and then the last part of it um, is less science, but uh, Eastern medicine, Eastern philosophy, and this is traditional Chinese medicine. And this is something I've chosen to incorporate into my practice because it's traditional Chinese medicine has helped me with my, my health. And uh, before I took my certification, I had no, I didn't know that there was a sound component to traditional Chinese medicine. So in TCM, all of your organs are related to an element, earth, water, fire, metal, 
but they're also related to emotions. So for example, if you have been feeling lately that your chest is, is really tight, you're really congested, you've been coughing a lot, your breathing has been really, really sha uh, shallow, it's because the unbalanced emotion for your lungs is grief and sadness. And so you can make a qigong sound that I make as a practitioner and I invite the person on the other side to make with me to help bring that organ, therefore that imbalanced emotion back into balance. Oh, and can you, can you tell us what that is? Sure. So for the lungs, it's like, and then you just, I do it five times with the person. And what I always say is there is no better thing for your body than for it to hear your own voice, trying to bring it back into balance. And people, you can just see when people make this, that, that sound so with sense. me, oh, like I can just feel their, their lightness. And some, sometimes people get really emotional. Do you think too, because you're so tight, the voice is going out. Like when you use your voice, you're going out with, and which is opening. Is it kind of, is that part yes, of the reason? Okay. I would think so. It's a little bit of a catharsis too. If you've been so tight in here, I mean, we, we hold so much tension in our bodies and trauma in our bodies and it gets, it gets trapped. It gets trapped in our organs. It gets trapped in our, um, our muscles. It's just, it's, it's stuck. And so this really helps. And then I just, I think too, that I always, I always ask people to do it with me because I think in that moment they feel supported too. And you can tell when people are voicing these Qigong sounds over and over, they might start off timid at first, timid, and then they get more and more powerful, more and more powerful. And so I really feel like that's very important just to even open up your body to have it ready for the sound journey itself. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm kind of sitting <laughs> over here with my mind blown because there's just so many questions I want to ask. No, we do. <laughs> so oh, I'm happy to ask them all. You, so, <laughs> okay, you go and then I go. Go, Brenda, and then I'm next. <laughs> well, I guess one of the things that I was curious about, and this might be totally off base, so you can let me know, but sure. when you were talking about some of the orig origins of the sound therapy and, um, the different rooms that you mentioned. And yes. I know when I've been to, um, like a Korean spa, they'll have di those different rooms with, um, different elements mm -hmm. and those metaphysical elements. So is that a part of the sound therapy as well, where you would have different, um, I don't know, bowls made of different elements, or is it really just having to do with the frequency of the sound? Yeah, no, no, that's a, that's a great question. And, and yes, there are elements too, right? So, um, the sound bowls that if anyone has, has seen them or come across them that you'll typically see are the, um, the crystal quartz ones. So the, the white bowls, um, but there's also other bowls that are, they're thinner, they're more expensive, but they're made of precious crystal. So you can have a rose quartz bowl, you can have a smoky quartz and all of those have their own frequencies too. So I find that those bowls, I mean, I would love to have a set of those one day. Um, they're very like light and angelic and ethereal. And then if you think of um, the gongs, those are made of, you know, um, like hand battered metal. And so those obviously have their, their own sound. There's different types of gongs. They're made in different ways. The other things that I use too are um, 
I have more in type indigenous type of tools. So Mm -hmm. I have a rattle and it's actually the first instrument I use. And this is why I ask people about their physical tensions. So with rattles, shamans typically use them to expel negative energy, but I find that they're really good for for um, shaking to loosen up someone's physical tensions because it's very, very abrasive. And so that's why I do it. I do it first. And the person's like, oh, I always carry everything in my neck. And then that's where I'll just shake it, shake it, shake it out, just kind of like open it and, and loosen it up. And it really does seem to, to help people. What, what do you oh, go ahead? Brenda. Oh, I was just saying it's so interesting. I'm yeah. finding this all very fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, my approach is very integrated and every practitioner has their, their own approach. Um, I, I haven't yet seen, been to a practitioner that uses Qigong, but it was just so innately natural to me because it really helped me. And so I think you just, you just find the orchestration that works for you as a practitioner. And this just happens to be mine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I have two questions, but it's so, because I know you and I've hung out with you. I mean, May is just like, (laughs) everyone gravitates towards May. Like you are so loved by anybody who meets you. (laughs) It's just you, she walks into a room and like the friendships you have and the relationships arrive around you the, in your professional world before you start doing sound therapy. Like, I, cause I knew that back then and, and also May has a podcast uh, as well. And so, and when you listen to her interview people, you're just very others focused. You, you, you create a space where people feel very accepted, loved, warm, you're in their space. So my first question is how do you, for somebody who is afraid, somebody who is coming to you not knowing what to expect and coming to you and never done this before. And I would imagine a lot of our listeners never done this before, you know, and you've got Brenda who said, well, I did in a group session. So that was different. Mm. What would you say to an audience that may have never even considered sound therapy like what are some of the things you could tell them and my side note is I learned Mm. about you which I didn't know growing up you were a musician of many instruments yes so if this is weird that amazing not weird amazing that your childhood and your teen your youth Mm -hmm. all that training in music with several instruments is now your profession with several different instruments it's so cool and it's a reminder of all of us that there are so many clues in our upbringing and and Mm. who we are in our development that are indicators of what's coming our way, you know? So anyways, I'll stop at that. I love that clues along the way. It's Mm. really beautiful. I like that a lot. Um, To answer your question, uh, I I approach it in a few ways. So um, the first thing is it, and this was just kind of a a personal discovery myself is uh, the first time I did a, virtual retreat, um, they referred to me as a sound healer. And I remember just physically, um, my body didn't like that, that title. And so I went a little deeper and I asked myself, okay, well, why did I react to you that that way? And I, I eventually came to the place where I, I realized what it was. And it's, because when someone comes into the room and all of the studios that I practice out of, all the rooms are very plain. 
And I love that they're playing because when that person comes into the room, the room becomes theirs. It's not mine. It becomes their safe space. And the other thing is about the sound healer part is I realized that um, I'm not, I'm not anyone's healer. They're their own healer. And so I like to give that power back to that person. And as their sound therapist, um, sound facilitator, I'm just supporting them through the modality. So I really like to say, I give the healing back to, to you. You have the strength to do that. And then the, the next thing that I do is I explain um, very uh, carefully and thoughtfully and intentionally what they can expect. So I take them through my approach, much as the same as they did with you. So they understand what I'm doing. Um, I explain to them why I asked about the emotions in the intake form, why I asked about the physical, um, the physical tensions in the form, because some people might find that form overwhelming. And so I use a session as an opportunity to, to, uh, opportunity to explain why. And then once they get that understanding, they know what to expect, you know, doing my, always doing my best to create that safe space. People just start to relax when people know, then they're not afraid. So follow-up question to what, mm. <laughs> what that, um, I imagine that most of the time or a lot of the time that people come to you, they perhaps have a small idea of what it is that they're getting themselves into, or there, there was a reason that they sought out your service, mm-hmm. but I'm curious, um, you know, for somebody that maybe has just heard about sound therapy and they're curious, but they're not sure if they wanted to dive in, like, who do you think is the perfect candidate for sound therapy? Or what are the reasons that you think somebody would typically have or would want to see? Yeah, you know, I was, I was talking to someone very, very close in my life, someone that I consider uh, someone who gives very wise guidance. And when I was starting my practice, she said to me, put out there um, very intentionally what kind of clients you want to be attracting. And I thought about that and I said to myself, I really want to have clients that are committed to their healing and their personal evolution. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I'm finding. Some people have no clue what this is, what they're, they're going to try. I've had clients of all kinds. I've, I've recently been, been getting quite a few um, athletes coming through and that's been very, very cool. Um, I had a group of ultra runners come in, did a, a really cool curated event with some friends called the mindful athlete. And these ultra runners went for a run and then they came back and they did a sound journey. And we, we talked about it. Um, I recently had like a, a NHL coach come through on with one of his friends who I is a repeat client of mine. And so it's, it's sort of all kinds. Some people who've done it before from that really spiritual aspect, they'll come. So I really think that anyone who is committed to self-examination and really looking to support their own selves um, on their journey of evolution, that's, that's who I find coming to me. And you know, what's really funny um, I've been noticing, and this has only happened less than a handful of times, um, people that have signed up to come see me and there's something in 
my interactions with them over text or in emails where I'm not feeling comfortable. Like, I don't, I don't really know what's happening, but this is not feeling in alignment. Those sessions never go through. Oh, so interesting. Even when they've booked it and then they'll cancel last minute. I'm like, yeah, I could have seen that coming actually. Yeah. And that's a gift to you and to that person. Absolutely. Because that's their, that's your gift to them as well. Because mm-hmm. your, your ultimate desire for them is for their, their wholeness and for them to find that healing part where, wherever in their life, wherever in their physiology that they're really holding things together. And, and, and if you're not the right person, like it's, that's something that it's, it's just really cool that you're willing to trust the, the process, you know, you're willing to trust yeah. that it's all going to be in alignment. Like you said, absolutely. Um, you, you also recently did a men's retreat when there were, pro- I think, professional athletes there. Yeah, uh, definitely, ex- mm-hmm. definitely extreme sport athletes for sure. Yes. And yeah. I mean, it was quite a diverse group of men. Mm-hmm. And that was, was that the first time you've done a men o- men's only um, yes. sound therapy? Yeah. So was there yes. anything that you drew from that? Was there any little observations you noticed or yeah. something that was really special to you or mm, so many moments, feedback? so many mm. moments. Um, well, first of all, I, I know when in our pre-chat, I was saying that it was a really special experience for me. And I was, I was uh, honored to be there to support these men. And I give them extreme kudos for even signing up because like you said, a lot of them were our athletes. They're very mas- masculine type A type of men there that have never experienced this before. And, um, they were willing to be, to be open to it. And I think, um, one of the more beautiful things is I I did sound journeys on the second and and the last day. So the second and the fourth days. And when I came in on the second day, I came halfway through their breathwork session. And as soon as I walked into the room, I just felt it right in my chest how much these men were letting go through their breath because it was just palpable in the air. And, um, you know, like the breathwork practitioner was sweating. She was like, and there was a lot happening. There was a lot of letting go um, happening in there. And uh, when it came in for the the last day, um, I also came in at the breathwork section and it was much lighter. Like they had let a a lot go and I could feel that in the air. but what was really beautiful was a bond, the brotherhood I can see that they made because, you know, there, there were men who were letting go of some really big things. And, you know, just to hear the men say, I, I love you. I support you. I'm here for you. You know, giving men hugs that were, you know, feeling extra emotional to see and witness that was really beautiful. And almost immediately, my first thought was there needs to be more safe spaces like this for men to be this open and this vulnerable and know that they will be caught and supported by other men. That's great. May. That's great. Mm-hmm. So kudos to Chad Choma yeah. for yeah. organizing that. So mm-hmm. yes, here's to more safe spaces um, and more men like Chad creating them. Mm-hmm. Great. I do definitely think that in our society, there it's not something we talk about much, um, but you know, men, men's head, mental health is very important and something that I think we often overlook. So 
We are nearing the end of our time. So I already, <laughs> I know, no, it, it, goes I know. By, it goes by so fast. Yeah, so um, sad. I do yeah. have one more like quick question for you though, before sure. we close out, I'm just curious in your life, what actually drew you to become a sound mm. Yeah. Okay. I'll try to make this in a nutshell. So in 2018, uh, I went to um, Japan on a trip, like dream trip and two, three days. And I broke out into this crazy rash that I'd never seen before, had no idea what it was. When I got home, it got worse. And my family doctor, Western medicine, didn't know what it was and basically diagnosed it as autoimmune. And I was getting prescribed all the antibiotics, antibiotics, And a friend was like, I think you need to see my Chinese medicine doctor. Went to him. He pinpointed right away from from Eastern medicine what was happening to me and put me on um, a strict diet of of these teas. Um, But though that was helping with my body, it wasn't helping my anxiety and stress around what was happening to me because I just, it was a mystery. And so I remembered that there was a studio near my work that was offering sound baths. And I'd never been to one before. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go. And as soon as I went and I felt it, and I really do think that it needs to be felt in person. Um, I think that you can listen to sound baths online and it's very gentle, but I really think you, you need to feel it in the room and all around you. And it helped me so much in all aspects physically, spiritually, emotionally, all of that. And so I dedicated a year to going at least once or twice a week. And I'd always wanted to pick up a healing modality. It all began to click that, oh, sound, this is, this is the modality that I'm supposed to learn. And I was very particular about where I took my, my certification. Um, in Vancouver, there were courses where you could, you could take a course, learn to play bowls, but I, I wanted to learn everything. And so I eventually found the, the Institute of Traditional Medicine in Toronto, and they cover everything. They cover the history, the culture, the science, trauma-informed practice, voicing traditional Chinese medicine. And that, that was what I wanted to learn. And I'm still learning all of the time and I'm continuing to and adding more to my toolbox. And it's just, it's been such an exciting journey. And I, uh, I'm so passionate about this modality and I just want everyone in the world to try it. <laughs> so great. That's so amazing. Yeah. I think, I think it's cause you, you, your practice is in Vancouver, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. You offer sound therapy to corporations so they can bring you in uh, companies yes. can bring you in and do yes. as part of their leadership development or their team development and a lot yes. of companies have corporate retreats so that's something you do as yes. you mentioned work with mm-hmm. athletes when you think about an athlete with uh, injuries uh, they have so much physical trauma from just pushing themselves so hard. Mm. Uh, and I, I think what's cool for you, Maze, and also because of who you are, you're just, uh, you're just, I, I wish everyone could meet you because you're really <laughs> awesome. But combining who you are 
the, the permission for even athletes to be so vulnerable when they're so physically in pain and their, their, their bodies have just gone a beating plus the gift you bring into that room, just being who you are. You can just imagine the, the, the release, you know? So I think that if, if you're an athlete and you're looking for something to just really uh, focus on your, your physiology, um, if even your, you, even your mental state, because your mental state, yeah. and then I, if, if there's people that are stressed out and are going through anxiety, they're going through something just really challenging. And it's, it's, they're off. They mm-hmm. just feel, they just aren't on they're, it's, it's they, they just can't seem to pull themselves back that pause to pause and, and to come see you or reach out to you. I mean, we'll, we'll put your contact information. The last thing I just yeah. wanted to say was, um, when you talk about voice, I think that was my biggest takeaway. And then Brenda can tell me her biggest takeaway. I I know for me as a coach, I, I focus on the voice of the leaders that I coach to and, and being able to really articulate and speak and speak for yourself and be confident in your voice. And then I started thinking about, you know, in Palm Springs, the birds wake me up because they sing like nobody's business. The birds here just, they just sing and they're using their voice. And I love it. Like I wake up to the sound of birds singing. I'm like, good morning. Like it's just really beautiful. So for you to practice, you encouraging people to exercise their voice in the sound. uh, What did you call sound journeys? Yes. I never, that never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. If I believe it's important in coaching, to, to unite that with sounds and oh I just think that's just really, really powerful that so that was my big takeaway yes. from this conversation yeah and the other thing I will say is that so many of us almost all of us are operating at a state of stress and anxiety that is inhuman and what has happened is because we are we have disassociated from our bodies to survive the stress and to keep on going and our bodies are the first alarm system that is that something is wrong. And so, so many of us are not aligned with that. And we literally can't hear ourselves anymore or feel ourselves anymore. And therefore we can't begin to address things. And so it's important that people do get into alignment with their bodies. Wow. Oh, this is huge. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have just loved listening to you talk. I'm so glad I got to meet you, May. I didn't realize that there was this whole other scientific side, you know, with the actual um, frequencies as you were talking about the alpha and beta and theta waves and all of those things. So I'm, I feel like I need to read a book about this now because I always, you know, my understanding of sound therapy and sound healing was from more of a metaphysical standpoint. So I'm, this is like a whole new territory for me to learn that there's this whole other side to it um, that has really piqued my interest. So yes, yeah, it makes it a lot more full. I mean, I love the metaphysical and soulful part of it. I also really love the science and there's a lot of it too. And both of that, both of those together are very, very powerful. I could see that. Well, thank you again. Thank you you for having me on the podcast today. And hopefully we will get to see more of you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you, May.